0: fire is going to be brought in, I guess. (laughs) With that type of expectation, she got a call yesterday from a cousin who was having a first birthday party. And she said, wait. And what that normally means is you are the token pule person at every family party because they have no other option. Um, And so I already went in there knowing that I was going to have to bless the food. So I come into an arena just like this with people just like you and I staring, staring at me in the front. And I'm about to pray for the food and bless the baby. It's his first birthday party. And there were a group of people talking. And the inner teacher in me came roaring out. And I'm like, shh, I'm about to pray. And if you guys didn't know, I'm telling them, I, if you didn't know, like I'm a teacher. In fact, I saw two of my students at that party randomly. But I had, like, my little son rebuked me because he said, I'm not being racist here, I promise. I'm Chinese. He's like, Dad, don't worry, they're Chinese. I'm like, what does that even mean? I said, they didn't come to church. They came for this this party. They want to get the food. They want to go through the line. And I was like, they didn't have an expectant heart. To come and listen to some dynamic prayer. They came for the first birthday party, and so that gave me perspective to know that they weren't expecting a word from God, but I expect you to expect a word from God. I expect you to come here hungering for a word from God that God could use me, speak through me to touch you, and as we were singing today in the dark, trying to bring the light to the dark, I just felt that there are some of you that are wrapped up with the circumstances of the world. That you are so consumed with what you gotta do, what you have put in your mind, the have-tos and the got-tos and the list of things in this season that you need to tackle in order for you to quote-unquote be successful. And I want you to just rest. I want you to rest in the peace that God is good, and no matter what situation that you're facing, whatever obstacle you're facing, whatever hurdle that you're facing, God is good, God is near, and I want you to expect a word. Find a neighbor that you trust and say, I'm expecting a word. Whoo! I hope so. Lord, all across this place right now, I thank you so much. That even if the Pule party didn't go as planned in my mind yesterday, right now we are asking for the power of your word that is living and active. It is sharper like a katana sword uh, to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So help start chopping attitudes off and help us have an attitude of gratitude, Lord, so that our altitude in you can be at a high heavenly standard in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people said... Amen. We are in part three of the series Wrapped in Love. I love that Pastor Norman brought in a defensive player from the University of Hawaii Warriors football team who tackled us with a powerful Testimony, and in this part three series, instead of wrapping up, we're going to wrap something today. We're going to wrap the power of eternal life, looking at the passage in John chapter 20, starting in verse number one. For those of you that have your Bibles, amazing! If not, we brought a portable one that is about 90 inches wide and, and tall, and it's the perfect size of television. Hint, 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 Ray. Right? For the living room that we just remodeled. Okay, let me talk about remodeling real quicker. We did everything, right? Carpets are gone. Nasty carpets are gone. Beautiful floors. Walls had crayon marks and sharpies and all this type of just gross gunk, and I don't even want to tell you what the middle child put on those walls. Painted. Clean. Nice. Decorated Christmas. It's festive. Come over to the house. Watch. Hang out. We'll drink hot chocolate. Then you get to our kitchen, and there's like this old stove, like from the beginning. It's white, it has rust on it, and I, I appreciate my my stove. I don't use it a lot, but I, I appreciate I look at it. I have a refrigerator that the water doesn't filter right anymore. You just tastes all of the great Capole chemicals. They gotta do some studies on the water in Capole, it's harsh. <sighs> then the cabinets do not match the vibe that we are going for in the winter wonderland theme of our downstairs. And I'm looking at it, and I go straight into Chinese mode. I'm not going and buying $6,000 worth of cabinets. We're looking at a way to refurbish these bad boys. So I do what every Mr. Fix-It-Does jumped on YouTube and saw how to refurbish this thing, and I bought a $75 kit And I'm going to give you guys the before and after soon in 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 an upcoming message and series about how a transformed, bleak looking cabinet life by the stroke of a couple of uh, paintbrushes and some gloss can refurbish and retransform a cabinet that was going to the dump into brand new. So those of you that are Mr. Fixes out there, you will appreciate what is going to happen today. It's the same thing when God grabs a hold of our lives. And uh, I've been wanting to do this all series. Remember when you were a kid and the biggest present in the by the tree was the one that you wanted to open because you expected that that thing would be the best gift? And then you kind of like... Where Ellie at? Where Ellie at? I should have looked for Ellie first before I did this. I'll rap. We'll have a rapping party after this. I'll rap, you rap. Like, I'll rap and then you rap, right? And I go into the box and I see some like toy and I find joy for like a minute or so. And I'm on to the next box because this gift did not fulfill my soul as a kid. And what we want to wrap today is a gift that the cliche is not the gift that keeps on giving. The gift that we're unwrapping today is eternal life. And anyone who gets this season twisted and make it about something else is, is off track and off base. And I want to spend some time today really training us to run the race of life that God has called us to run with the expectation to win the prize, the ultimate prize, which is eternal life. And I will put out my apology to Ellie today for ruining your decoration. All we'll do for the second service is we'll move that one to the middle and there will be like the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Back to the scripture. Do I got your attention now? I had a hard time in the beginning. I was like, oh, man, people are tired. They're consumed with circumstances. And we're going to break and bust on through. And I don't even have... Money. Amen. John, chapter 20. Early. On the first day of the week. Well, it was dark and gloomy and rainy. And people decided to stay at home and watch church online. (laughs) Because what if I get on the road and there's water spots on the ground? Oh no, all the people that lived in the mainland start laughing at us. They laugh at us. When the weather gets below 70 degrees and we start bundling up like it's going to be a snow blizzard, we're in the mainland, if it ever breaks upwards to the 60s, they're in tank tops and shorts and they're playing frisbee. Am I wrong? <laughs> Early on the first day of the week. There's a reason why I had to do all the front end because I want to spend a lot of time this morning. Early on the first day of the week while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Okay. I thought this was Christmas. It sounds like Easter. Stay with me. So she came running. Underline that in your digital device or if you have notes, go ahead and underline running or underline it in your mind. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. This is strange because the author is John. And when he says other disciple, he's talking about himself. And when he talks about himself, there's some unique properties that he gives to himself. He calls himself the one Jesus loved. Now, we're in a culture today, if you get a nickname, you can't give yourself a nickname. Someone else has to tout you with a nickname, like a killer or junior boy. The nickname needs to come from an outside source. But he calls himself the one that Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple, we know that his nickname is the one that Jesus loved. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. Somebody say running. But the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, outran Peter. He was faster. He was more like dashing, and dancer. And reached the tomb first. So not only give him his nickname, now he's telling him, I am faster than Slowpoke Peter. Verse 5. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen that were there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in its place. And if you understand what had happened, there was a crown of thorns on his head. So imagine all the linens on the ground were drenched with stained blood. He saw the strips lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around his head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linens. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, mind you, because I'm faster. <laughs> you gotta like the Bible. Like the Bible is super cool and funny. Also went inside. He saw and believed. Okay? They still, parentheses, they still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. They were in that place. They were standing shoulder to shoulder. They saw what looked like where he should have been. The, the cloths were there and they couldn't add up all the times they were running and rolling and walking with Jesus, what he was sharing and telling them specifically that I am going to have to go through this. I am going to have to go through all of the beating and the tearing and the ripping apart. It is for a purpose. But what did they see? They saw linens on the ground that were white stained with red. Ellie, thank you now that the wrapping makes a perfect segue into my illustration. They saw it with their eyes and they started to have a sense of, man, he told us that he was going to die. But what about that? What about that part where he was going to be alive again? And with their eyes, they were limited to what they understood and what they believed. So what did they do next? Instead of running and waiting on Jesus, they went and ran into hiding. Instead of running after him, they ran into hiding based on what they saw. In this hour that we're living in, with the the amount of tragedies that are happening in the world, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, we need to run to Jesus faster than ever before, before we run out of time, point number one. Run to Jesus before we run out of time. I played sports growing up, and uh, whether it was basketball, baseball, and soccer, which is my three main sports, football was the last one. I had coaches, met well-meaning coaches, when I was young, used running as a form of punishment. So you would have to do certain conditioning drills. And if you made a mistake at practice, you would have to run suicides in basketball. If you made a mistake... In football, you had to run sprints after you had to run sprints at your normal conditioning time. If you made a mistake in baseball, you would run extra bases. First base, first base, first base. Okay, first base, second base, first base, second base, third. All the way home. You would use running as a form of punishment. And I developed this unhealthy relationship with running, as you can tell. Then I went to high school and figured out there's other sports where people actually sign up knowing full well every day that they're going to go to practice as cross-country runners and, and run for pleasure. Some of you that are runners, like this is not news. For me, I'm trying to avoid any kind of Running because I have developed that running equates to punishment and not pleasure. There are runners out there. Some of you are there who absolutely get endorphins and get this dopamine hit. When you guys start running and you hit mile three, I will pass. God has called us to run a race with the intention to win. And sometimes we can approach it with a perspective. I like how you use the word perspective. We can approach it with a perspective that as we run this race, we're just going to deal with a lot of punishment. I want to avoid punishment from God, so I'm going to do this, this, X, Y, and Z. I'm going to avoid punishment. Our expectation from God is that we would run a race with an intention to win for God's pleasure. For God's pleasure. Like, he doesn't want to sit there on a... On a, on a chair throne with a whipping stick and punish us for every bad thing that we do. But we can live this life and go through circumstances, go through a tribulation, go through a trial and then attribute it that God, why, if you're so loving and good, allow me to go through this level of pain and strife. And we could feel like we're running a race that is predicated on punishment. It was never the case. It was always meant for us to run in a way that we could give God glory and pleasure. We need to run to Jesus before time runs out. My son just came home from college. If you make it past your first year on the mainland, the odds of you graduating is super high and through the roof. So we got hope. So he came home and t- I was like, first question is like, how are your grades? Oh, it's good. My grades are really good. What, what, what were the letters? Tell me the letters of your grades. So good, like these classes were so hard. That guy got a D. That guy got a D. So when I say that I got a C or a B, that sounds better than the guy that got the D. Dummy perspective. Came home, and we got to eat. Go to a party. We got to hang out. Got to have his huge. Dog come through on our brand new floors and scratch it up with its claws. And I started to appreciate because three of his friends from college did not go home. Three of his friends, a couple of months ago, went to go watch a sunset. And for those of you that were at that service, when I kind of bleeped it out there, they got hit by a drunk driver. Lives ended instantly. These are three friends that... They drove together, hung out together, ate together. On the morning of, called our son, please come with us on this adventure. And they lost their lives. They didn't come home. They're gone. They ran to a fortune teller two weeks before they died, expecting their future to be told by some random person in an office trying to make money. And she told her, told them some just God awful things because they repeated it to my son. There's a searching world that wants eternity and we have the secret sauce. And it's not even a secret and we just got to give it away. And the intention that our young people might have is that there's always tomorrow. And the fact of the matter is tomorrow is not promise. It is what are we going to do today with God has given us run to Jesus before time runs out. What does that mean? When John and Peter were at the tomb, they saw what looked like a dead end. Because their friend was gone, the bloody cloths were on the ground, they probably just thought someone dismembered their body and put it all over the creation for sport. So instead of waiting, they ran into hiding. Who was left waiting? A powerful Manawahine. Mary. Sitting there, distraught, bawling, crying out loud, waiting on Jesus. And as she was waiting at the tomb where they saw a dead end, Jesus ran into her alive and well and said, why are you crying? And the crying must have been so crazy because she called him a gardener. He must be the gardener. Get away from me, gardener. It's me. Go out, run and tell the boys. The... The promise I want to give to you here is when you think that you're running into a dead end, Jesus is actually running to you to end the death in your life. He has literally came to that place to show them that I have ended death. You might see a dead end, but what did I say? I had a great time with the second service last week because Pastor Norman preached the first one and five people heard this. The obstacles in our life that the enemy brings can be the obstacles in our path. The obstacles in our life can become our obstacles. What does that mean? We could see a dead end and say it's over and walk away. Jesus wasn't giving them a dead end. He was showing them, I have ended death. I have told you what I'm going to do. I am going to die. I'm going to rise again. And so oftentimes we limit our faith based on what we see and not what he says. Based on what we see and not what we say, what he says, how many times God told you to do something you hit in your spirit it's like, I don't know if that's really God and then some person comes and confirms that and says the same thing that God told you in your heart in your spirit. but we want to see it first. We want to see the thing play out and then move upon in behalf and as, as we look at the Bible, it never works out that case. It's what he says. it's what he promises. We run from the strips of linen that are stripping victory away from you. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. The disciples saw the end and he was running to them. He just had, they just had to wait. But Jesus is so loving, he ran after them. They were hiding in a room. Doesn't even use the door. Goes straight through the walls. What are you guys doing? Why are you guys hiding? And he comes into a later moment. And this is kind of, i like to give you the context. So they give you the passage. I give you the before. And I give you the after. One of the disciples wasn't there because he thought it was over. Thomas. Thomas. Is that Thomas? His name is also Didymus. Diddy. Doubting Diddy appears to Doubting Thomas. And he said, I need, to, I need to see the holes in your hands. I need to see the wounds. I need to feel and touch and see all with my senses, so that I can deduct that it is really you. I don't believe. I need to feel. And he does. And he looks at him and says, you believe because now you see. You believe because you saw it with your eyes and you are one that needs to. But there are going to be future people that do not see. Blessed are those that believe, that don't see, but they hear the word of God. We are in such an exciting time where the word of God is being played out and he is waiting for people not to get to heaven. He wants heaven on earth right now. He wants eternal life to be operating right now. I think there is a camp where it says, I want an escape plan. I want to get raptured and get out of here. There are people that don't know him. Time is running out. They're looking at all of the obstacles in their life and we have the key to unlock the thing that have been putting people in chains since the day that we're born because of their flesh and we gotta give them the gift. We gotta give them the presents. I know that you have a, I gotta buy this gift card. Just a heads up if you go to Target. Okay. They will grill you if you buy a gift card that is larger than $50. Okay. They will ask you all kinds of questions. So just bear with our amazing target workers that are out there. But there's a hurting world that needs us that are running a race playing Chase Master. Remember Chase Master as a kid? In the premise of Chase Master is my boy Mark. He's it. He's the master and he's trying to run after us. And what do we do as kids? We run away. I want us to play reverse chase master. We know that the master is it and we're chasing after him. Relentlessly running after him, not running away from God. The enemy looks at a lot of our lives and he starts eating popcorn. He starts eating popcorn and he watches us. And we're just kind of going through our lives and going through the motions. And he doesn't have to affect our lives. He just kind of let us live and do what we want to do until we start running and chasing after God. And still, Until we start relentlessly going after him, what does he do? He puts in these little speed bumps along the way. My friend Jerry was playing bass back there. He looks so, so spiffy with his collared shirt. He did a marathon. 22.6 miles. Is that right? Correct? 22.3? Something like that. A lot of miles. I don't know why he signed up for it, but he went with his friend. And they ran 13 miles just bam, running. And they started talking and there's little manapuas on the ground. They're not real manapuas, there's like these clear dome, white domes on the ground. He didn't see the dome that was there, he slipped on it and his knee gave out, buckled and caused excruciating pain. He's got seven more miles to go. And looked at his buddy, like, I, just, <laughs> I might have to I might have to quit. I'm just, I'm in pain. I just can't, I can't do it anymore. Then my, my leg's going to give out, give out. And there was pain that he was dealing with and he just pushed on through and he finished the race that he was called out to do. The enemy doesn't bring a huge, crazy distraction in your life to get you off path. We do that for ourselves. He puts out these little monopoles, a little drift, little domes in our lives. And those things I like to call things of unbelief. He put a thought of unbelief in your life as you're running the race towards him. It'll sound like this. God can do amazing things. God can do an amazing thing for that person, but God wouldn't do that for me. Whatever you're believing for, whatever you're expecting God to do, like you can, you know that God is big, God, that you're amazing. God, you're amazing for that person. I'm gonna pray and believe for that person. Some of you struggle with the fact that God wants to do that for you that God can overcome something for you in your life. And it's these little things of unbelief that he puts in our path to get us off path from running the race that God has called us to run. It's running to win, with an intention to win. The ex eternal prize at the end is heaven that we get this amazing eternity so whatever we did not get here on this earth the last thing that we know is that jesus died on the cross he eliminated death he crossed it out on the cross and we get eternal life someone say amen so that should be the celebration when we sing all of our songs when we come together when we joy and some of us go through hell on earth but we know that the prize is set ahead in front of us we run the race to win heaven's prize, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And consider him who endured uh, such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We're called to run the race with the intention to win. The worship team would come up because I want to pray for a certain group of people here that are running a race and it's just aimlessly. Father, I thank, thank you for your power and your presence here today.